The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Happy Friday. I'm David Brody. We're thankful that you're here. It's April 9, 2021. We begin with this. Where in the world is Vice President Kamala Harris? And let me tell you one place that she is not, at the border. She has been put in charge of heading up the Biden administration's response to the immigration crisis, and not once has she gone down there yet. That's like me being put in charge of anchoring the show and then not showing to actually anchor the show. (sighs) Meanwhile, the number of illegal immigrants crossing the border is up more than 70% in the last month, But don't worry, Kamala and Joe are busy trying to ban ghost guns, so America is safe. And that's where I say oi gewalt. Also today, COVID vaccine passports. Hey, look, from now on here on the show, we're not going to call them vaccine passports. Instead, we're going to call the passports papers because that sounds downright evil. Can I see your papers, please? Big government out of control in America. We're going to speak with a lawyer who is suing the CDC over COVID. And the story everyone talking about today, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh and husband to Queen Elizabeth, dead at the age of 99. We're going to look back at his legacy and his life a little later in the show. But first, I want to begin with the Biden administration. Look, it's a conservative's worst nightmare. You've got executive orders on guns, ramming through an economic stimulus bill on budget reconciliation, embracing the leftist views on the culture wars, inflaming racial tensions with talk of white privilege, and illegal immigration running wild on the southern border. So what is a conservative to do in these times? Well, who better to ask than a famous and rock-ribbed stalwart conservative? So joining us now, the former governor of Texas, former energy secretary, Rick Perry. Governor Perry, wonderful to see you again, sir. Good to be with you. Thank you, sir. Well, I want to begin with immigration. Uh, how about you help uh, Biden and AWOL Kamala, uh, Kamala excuse me, out a little? Can you give them your prescription for success at the border, uh, you have a lot of experience with this issue. You know, it's interesting. The, the same, not anywhere near the numbers that we're seeing now in 2012 uh, is when we first saw this with the previous uh, Democrat administration. It's kind of interesting that when you have these surges on the border, uh, there are Democrats at the White House. And uh, I think most people can put two and two together and get the uh, appropriate four out of that. But the fact is, This is what the Democrat leadership, I'm not sure that's what the Democrat Party, people who would call themselves Democrats. I think if you go along the border of Texas and you saw in the last presidential election, uh, Donald Trump did very well in those border counties. The politics of this overrunning of our border uh, by Democrat policies is having an incredible corrosive effect on the Democrat electorate who historically had voted for uh, Democrats for president. So I would suggest to you that uh, in 2022, uh, as people are going to the polls, uh, this is going to be on their mind. This isn't what they signed up for. When you couple all of this with the attack on the Second Amendment, uh, with what happened today, David, I mean, the idea 
that this president has now put a commission together to to look at the Supreme Court. You know where this is going. Yep. This is this is the first step that we're going to take to pack that court with people that want to do what we want to do. I mean, this is an attack on the Constitution of the United States. This is an attack on who we are, open borders. I mean, I don't know how it could get any worse, but I'm sure they're working on it. But the point <laughs> is, the idea that the person who's in charge of uh, overseeing this for the federal government hasn't even been there. And I will suggest to you, they're not interested in, in being there. What we did in 2012 is we had massive surges of uh, Texas law enforcement, where we organized, it was called Operation Linebacker, and, and we made a real difference. The problem is, uh, that's a, I, I believe it's like an 1,800-mile border, yeah. and we don't have the resources in the state of Texas. And quite frankly, it's not Texas' responsibility to be uh, securing the border. Uh, maybe what we should do, David, is... Uh, just order up every bus in the state of Texas and the people who have come across that border not following the appropriate uh, rule of law, load them up and ship them to Maryland. Maybe at that particular point in time, you could get the president's attention and go, oh, wait a minute, maybe this is a problem. Yeah. Instead of just dumping it in Texas lap, instead of dumping it in those counties along the border in Texas saying, you guys deal with it, you, you pay for it. Just right. send them up to Maryland. See so, how. That so works you're out. yeah, you're basically saying that they're only interested in this based on the P the bad PR that they're getting out of it. I mean, they they'd rather just like open border, come on in. I I just think that they recognize that they've got this two year window of which they could substantially change the course of American history, and they're going to do everything they can in that two year period of time. Whether it's constitutional or not, you know, we got the votes in the House. We got the uh, the deciding vote in the uh, in the Senate with Kamala Harris, yeah. and we got the presidency. And we're going to ram through every leftist progressive policy that we can, and see how much of it we can hold on to. By the way, this is this is really scary stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I want to get to some of that leftist stuff out, like with Gavin Newsom and others in a moment. Uh, but I, Governor Greg Abbott down in Texas said this week that he uh, that he had heard about allegations of illegal immigrant children being sexually assaulted at a federal facility facility. The Biden administration has been silent. What, what do you say about this? Well, there's no doubt that that's what's going on. Uh, the idea that you're sending unaccompanied children uh, with these uh, criminal elements, the whether it's the uh, the cartels, the MS-13, that's who's driving a lot of this uh, illegal uh, activity from the standpoint of moving people across the border. And we've known for a long time, as a matter of fact, there's a film that's going to be out called The Sound of Freedom, uh, and it's about the child sexual trafficking that goes on uh, in, in this uh, side of the, of, of the world, in this hemisphere. I mean, this is powerful stuff that every American needs to take a look at yeah. and, and see the absolute evil that's going on. And the Biden administration basically has sent the message that, you know, we're just going to, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here and say they're just going to turn their head and not pay attention to it. But the idea that you are promoting people coming up here, knowing that these children are going to be sexually abused, I mean, I, I think it's completely and totally unbelievable, unacceptable, 
Uh, I mean, where is your conscience? You know, you talk about where is the shame? If there's ever a place that we ought to stand up and say, where is your shame? It ought to be in, in even looking like you're halfway turning aside when this type of horrendous activity is occurring to uh, to human beings. A hundred percent. And Joe Biden talks about morality and then, and then that. So uh, I want to ask you real quick about, before we leave you, uh, COVID. Uh, look, when I think of you, I think of freedom, right? I mean, I mean, that's what you talk about all the time. That's what you've implored as governor of Texas. I know uh, the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, did come under some criticism by conservatives uh, early on for impo imposing too many lockdowns in Texas. Now he's opening up the state. What do you think of some of that criticism directed at him? He, he seems to, finally, he seems to be coming around now. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I think uh, all of the folks in public office back over the course of the last year, uh, and, and, and whether they were in the administration or whether they were elected officials, they had a tremendous amount of pressure put on them uh, by the media, by the uh, woke uh, community that you've got to do this. If you don't, you're going to put these people's lives in jeopardy. What we're finding now is that... Uh, the woke community wasn't exactly one of the most uh, plugged in scientifically, uh, if you will. So yeah. uh, I, I think we all learned a lot about this is that the media and, and frankly, even some people that you would think would know better, uh, who they were more interested in being liked than they were being respected. And, you know, I, I think Americans, we have to stand up and say, listen, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. If you want to go criticize me, um, you know, woke left, mm -hmm. then have at it. But I'm going to represent the people and I'm going to represent freedom and I'm going to represent the liberties that people have given their lives for in this country. Right. And, and that's what we have to look for day in and day out with our uh, elected leaders. It's like, listen, damn the torpedoes. Sam Houston said it pretty good. Yeah. He said, do right and risk the consequences. For sure. Uh, hey, Governor, before we let you go, 30 seconds or so, Caitlyn Jenner is thinking about running for governor in California. Uh, Gavin Newsom's up for a recall there. Well, what do you make of this news of Caitlyn Jenner? That's an interesting one, a Republican, but, <laughs> you know, culture wars and all of that. What's your take? Yeah, I would say that is classic California. <laughs> Well, what, what do you what do you want to I want to follow up? What do you mean, classic California? Like the, leave it to California to kind of mix the two? You know, we've, we've got a little blueberry in our uh, tomato soup down here in Texas called Austin. And, and their uh, motto is keep Austin weird. California has been leading that charge for a long time. OK, fair enough. Uh, the, the blueberry quote. Very nice. Governor Tech, uh, Governor Rick Perry, former governor of Texas. Always great to see you, sir. Your breath of fresh air. I appreciate you. So long. All right, Governor Rick Perry. Uh, knew him, obviously, for a long time on the campaign trail and uh, glad to have him on the water cooler. Hope he'll come back. Uh, coming up next, another former cabinet secretary, Dr. Tom Price, HHS secretary, talking Obamacare. Back in a moment. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. You know, we should call it the former Trump cabinet secretary show. We had Governor Rick Perry, the former Secretary of Energy, on in the first block. And uh, we're about to introduce you to another uh, former secretary uh, member of the Trump cabinet. But let's start with this. Did you know that it has been 11 years since Obamacare became the law of the land? President Biden uh, trying to improve it in all sorts of different ways uh, in the last few months. And did you know also that more than a, about a half a million Americans now have signed up for Obamacare coverage uh, during a special enrollment period? It's an open enrollment period that the Biden administration started in February. Uh, they are allowing all Americans uh, to purchase Obamacare coverage through August 15th because of COVID. And our next guest is not a fan of Obamacare and says it has failed to live up to its promises. Joining me now is Tom Price, the former Secretary of Health and Human Services. Dr. Price, great to see you again, sir. Hey, David, wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much. Well, take us through what you say are the failed promises of Obamacare. You lay it out in an op-ed in USA Today. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, look, if, if you ask almost anybody what their principles, what their priorities are for a health system for our nation, uh, it would be that you want a system that's accessible for everybody, you want a system that's affordable for everybody, and you want a system that's of the highest quality. Uh, and you want patients to be able to have choices. Uh, the sad thing is, is that what Obamacare did was simply get more people covered, um, but not necessarily with coverage that actually serves them well. So there are a lot of people out there walking around right now with an insurance card that they didn't have before, but they don't have any care because they can't either afford the, the, the deductible or, or the premiums. Um, so it hasn't done anything to increase access to care. It hasn't done anything to increase affordability of care. And I would suggest to you that it has actually decreased quality of care because of the regulations that the federal government puts in place. So this isn't the way to continue to go. Uh, we do need system reforms. There's no doubt about it. But if you put patients and doctors and families in charge of, of health care, then you get the right solutions. And that's the way to, to move forward, I would suggest. Dr. Price, you had been warning about this for a very long time uh, when you were in Congress. And of course, as HHS secretary, you tried to do, do certain things to to, to change all of this, what, what happened to Obamacare? What's the structural issue? I mean, we talked about the individual mandate that that's been kind of nixed from a constitutional perspective, but what, what's happening specifically as to why uh, folks are in this bind to begin with? Well, it's because there are, there are a group of uh, individuals in Washington who believe that Washington knows best. Uh, and they believe that if Washington's in charge of most anything, and especially your health care or your health coverage, um, then the right solutions come forward. Uh, the fact of the matter is, if Washington is deciding what you need or want for your health care, the likelihood is that they will make the wrong decision because health care is unique. Uh, one patient is different than another patient. And as I practiced medicine uh, for over 25 years, I recognize that even though patients might have the same diagnosis, uh, they didn't necessarily need the same treatment because they were unique individuals and their situation in life and their demands and their needs might be markedly different. And so you did something different for one patient than you would do for another because of the uniqueness of the individual. Now, government can't doesn't appreciate that. There's no way they can wrap their arms around that concept. So the only way to get things to move in a better direction is to put patients and families and doctors in charge of, of our health system. And that way, uh, you'll, you'll actually get to the right solution, which isn't a gamed solution. It's not something that somebody knows the result of. It's a solution that patients drive, and that's what we ought to be doing. 
Dr. Price, Obamacare has been around 11 years. Is it going anywhere? Is this a tinkering situation at this point? Does it depend on the next administration? I, I mean, where do you think the future is as it relates to Obamacare? Well, this is a curious question, David, because even the Democrats recognize that it has failed. From their perspective, it's failed because government isn't controlling everybody in, in health care. And so they want to move toward uh, whatever you want to call it, Medicare for all, public option, uh, whatever it is. Um, it, it, is a, it is a movement in the direction of government running uh, the show in terms of health care. And that, I would suggest, is the wrong direction to run. So as, my, as my, the article that we uh, submitted to USA Today uh, laid out, if you want the right solutions, you don't want to put the folks in charge of those solutions that got us to the point where we are right now, because again, they believe that government ought to run everything. The fact of the matter is that there are better solutions that you, we can move toward, whether it's a personal option, whether it's health care for you, which has been put forward by uh, Job Creators Network, and I would encourage folks to look at that healthcareforyou.com, um, that those are solutions that actually make sense. So uh, the, the question is, who's in charge? Policymakers will make this decision, but it's important for people to let their voices be heard as it relates to health care, because nothing is set in stone at this point. Yeah, we brought you on to talk about Obamacare. I do, as we end, end the segment, I want to ask you a little bit about this Georgia election law, or as the media would call it, this uh, law that restricts voting rights, which is driving me up a wall because it's a Democrat talking point and the, and the media loves to play along with it. Uh, what, what is your take as to what's happened in Georgia? You're from Georgia. This is personal for you uh, as it relates to uh, Delta and Coca-Cola and all these, uh, the, the boycott going on or what they want to see. What, what's your take and your message to these companies? Well, I, I, having been involved in public life and public service for, for uh, over two decades, um, I, I never minded when individuals believed something different, when they thought something was a better solution and they put forward um, uh, their, their solution or their, their policy based upon facts, based upon what they believed to be uh, the, 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 the appropriate movement to make. The sad part about all of this, and I think it's recognized by people on, on both sides of, of the spectrum, is that... Uh, we aren't dealing with fact. Um, we, we aren't dealing with a situation where folks are looking at the bill that was put in place or the law that was put in place in Georgia and folks saying, well, that doesn't make any sense because nobody else does it that way. Well, the fact of the matter is that there are tens of states that do it exactly like Georgia put forward. In fact, the, the state of Delaware, the president's home state, doesn't have as great an access to voting uh, for individuals in, in his state as we do here in Georgia after the law. Uh, the law actually increased the ability for individuals to vote uh, uh, vote early in this state. So um, it, my, the saddest thing about this for me is that folks aren't dealing with the facts. They aren't. It's all political spin, and and it, it just it, it's just very very sad, yeah. especially for these companies that are making foolish decisions. I think about how to move forward. I've only got 20 seconds left. Why do you think Georgia is being targeted like this? It's just is it just because it's in the news? It's national, and some people want to make a statement in wokeology today. No, it's, it, 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 Georgia's now a swing state. And, and so uh, yeah. the, the folks on the left believe that if they, if they can get an issue and they'll try any issue they can, they'll throw whatever spitballs they can at the wall to see if something sticks. And if they can make this an issue from their standpoint, uh, then, uh, then they believe it's the benefit. I think they've made a huge mistake. Yeah. Dr. Tom Price, great to see you again, former HHS secretary. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, and, you know, he's writing about Obamacare. You should check that out. Just Google. I've heard of Google. Uh, so if you go to Google and type in Obamacare Tom Price, his op-ed will come up and he'll lay out the entire case of what he just said here. All right, when we come back, the attorney who is fighting the CDC, Thomas Renz, it's all about COVID. Back in a moment.
<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. You know, at the top of the show, we talk about vaccine passports, and we said on the show that we will no longer call them vaccine passports. We're going to call them vaccine papers because, let's be honest, if you start saying, hey, do you have your papers, that takes on a whole different connotation, and it's exactly the connotation that Amer- a lot of Americans need to understand. So the question today uh, to every single American is, are you going to stand up and fight back against all these COVID government mandates? And our next guest uh, is doing just that. He's lawyer Thomas Renz. He's been fighting the good fight in Ohio, uh, where he says Governor Mike DeWine's response to COVID-19 has been basically irrational and impinged on individual rights. Uh, now he's taking his legal challenges to another level. He's actually suing the Centers for Disease Control, other outfits as well, saying the CDC health statistics in regards to the coronavirus are intentionally misleading. They're, they present illegality and a whole lot more. Uh, I want to get some more information about this with that attorney, Thomas Renz, who joins us now. Thomas, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, well tell us specifically what you're alleging against the CDC and others, uh, where that stands right now. What, what's happening with that case specifically, Thomas? Well, that case is before the district court, and we're waiting for the state to file their 12B motion, which we know is coming. And what that case is about is really there's two central things, right? So there's the Information Quality Act, and then there's the Administrative Procedures Act. And basically, the CDC and DHHS violated the law under both by essentially lying to the American public. Uh, there's a requirement under the Information Quality Act that data be uh, useful and presented with integrity. Well, when they decided to re- change the uh, protocol for recording deaths related to COVID, they changed it only for COVID. So what happened is, is every cause of death in America is determined the same way except for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And the way that they changed it, they actually state in the letter in which they changed it that it was going to artificially inflate the numbers. They knew this. They did it intentionally to mislead people. And then the other aspect of the case is related to PCR testing. And PCR testing is amazing uh, in that we're using it to justify the abridgment of our civil liberties. But if you read the instruction manuals for the PCR tests, they all have the same disclaimer, this test should not be used to diagnose COVID-19, which is mind blowing. Yeah. And so let me ask you this, because you just said uh, they did it to inflate the numbers. And it makes me think of uh, back in the YouTube days, as in not too long ago, you were actually censored. Were you not for, for some of the things that, that you were saying? Can you take us through that? What, I mean, YouTube decided they, they, were, uh, they didn't want to hear from you what you had to say uh, in, in some sort of Ohio Senate hearing. Yeah. So I was testif- testifying before the Ohio General Assembly. And you know, I'm a licensed attorney testifying before, obviously, a matter of public interest. And uh, YouTube decided to censor me for what I said. And let me tell you what I said. Yeah. I said that children are not vectors of transmission, which is true. Generally, children do not spread this disease. It's not impossible for them to spread it. But generally speaking, they're not vectors of transmission. The other thing that I said was we haven't had anyone under 19 in Ohio 
to my knowledge at the time, die from COVID. And I stand by that to this day. And after I made that statement, the Department of Health in Ohio actually revised their numbers down. And I since seen a number of the death certificates that they were claiming at the time uh, were deaths, and they're only a small handful. And I would argue that none of those were actually from COVID. Yeah. So, so it was really an amazing thing. So, so what's the larger issue at play here? What, what's happening to uh, folks like you and others who are trying to speak the truth but are being held back? What, what, what's, what's happening here? What, what's, what's, uh, what's nefarious in all of this? A lot. I mean, this comes down to money and power, right? I mean, this is, this is something we've got people who don't like our country or just really like money or... Uh, are seeking power or some combination of the three. And they're trying to use our health as a means of controlling us. And, you know, this vaccine passport stuff is an amazing thing yeah. because it's one of the most discriminatory things I've ever seen. You know, if we go back, the people who are pushing the vaccine passports are the people who were rightly outraged back in the 80s when they were taking all these crazy steps over AIDS. You know, they, they're talking about how discriminatory it is and how terrible it is back in the 80s when everybody's panicked about AIDS. Mm -hmm. Now, the same people who you know, spoke out against that, and I agree with them, they shouldn't have been discriminatory towards people with the disease. Your medical uh, history, conditions, that's your business, no one else's. But now they're all in favor of making our medical history something that's known to the world and uh, essentially giving you a scarlet letter should you choose not to take a vaccine for religious or uh, ADA purposes or any other purpose. Yeah, this, this, it's really out of control. I want to show you a headline about these vaccine passports. And, uh, and this is one of, uh, of many. Feds won't mandate vaccine passports, but will help states, businesses, schools develop standards, first of all. I want to get your take on that. I don't buy that for a moment that the feds are not going to mandate anything. I mean, I think that might be where they would love to head, but they can't do it right now from a public relations standpoint. What is your take as to where this is going regarding, I know I just said vaccine passports, but I'll call it the vaccine papers. Yeah, well, and that's, that's very true. I mean, you've got a requirement for a vaccine so that you can do things. A vaccine that has, you know, over a 1% adverse reaction rate for a disease that has less than a 1% uh, fatality rate. So it doesn't make any sense. That said, I think they would absolutely love to mandate this. I just think they can't under the law. I think it's pretty clearly unconstitutional for them to do so. And so I think that what they're trying to do, and they've been doing this for a while, is they're really trying to push this on the private, private industry. They feel like private industry is going to be harder to defeat in the courts on this. And so they're trying to do a soft mandate. We're, gonna, we're not going to mandate it, wink, wink, nod, nod. But hey, uh, Google, Facebook, airlines, you, you know, you guys should all be pushing this. And, and a follow-up on that, what, what is the legal implications of that when it comes to private business? I mean, that, that, that does have a whole different connotation legally, does it not? Yeah, it certainly does. I would argue that it's still illegal, um, and we'll be arguing that it's still illegal. I mean, lawsuits are coming. But... Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see exactly what they try and do and how they try and do it. And one of the things that's particularly interesting right now is the fact that if you're going to coerce an employee or someone else into taking this and they get sick from it, I mean, this is only this is an authorized drug. That's this true. is only given an emergency use authorization. That's There's right. no approval on this. That's right. So there may be liability. 
know for sure. Thomas, friends, I appreciate it. Running out of time. Really appreciate it. I hope you'll come back on and kind of give us an update as we, as we all move forward here. It'd be great. Thank you. All right. Thomas Friends, uh, speaking uh, the truth uh, that YouTube and Jack Dorsey and Facebook and all these folks don't want to hear about. We're back in a moment with Dave Bratt, the dean of the School of, the Business, uh, School of Business at Liberty University, talking about Biden's budget. Back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. We're time uh, time to talk about the Biden budget. Insert laugh track emoji, uh, by the way. Uh, So a new fiscal 2022 budget is out by the Biden administration today. So here's the bottom line, all right? A 16% increase in federal spending. It includes a lot of money for education, fighting climate change, reducing poverty, dot, dot, dot. The total funding request comes to about $1.52 trillion. And by the way, we should also point out that doesn't include the trillions of dollars in new infrastructure spending that Biden is looking to do in the next couple months. I want to get reaction to this with Dr. Dave Bratt, Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. Dave, good to see you, sir. Hey, David, thanks for having me on. Well, do you need smelling salts uh, after seeing this budget? (laughs) I mean, look, this Biden budget, I feel, should come with an Alka-Seltzer chaser. Yeah, no, it's uh, I expect it fully. They they're doing what Democrats do and they're not liberals anymore. The the, the Marxist machine is on the roll and they're getting ready to win the next next election. And they're they're going to juice this economy with, you know, about 10 trillion in extra fiscal stimulus debt. And then they're going to goose it with seven trillion on the on the Federal Reserve side, on the money side. And uh, the, the fact that you're you're speeding up the economy with $17 trillion and you're still growing at one or 2% tells you we don't have a, a, a real functioning economy underneath it all. And uh, that's what my worry is. So uh, you can, you can fake, fake out the folks uh, for even a year or two more, uh, but then the bills are going to come due. And it's amazing. They're, they're increasing the size of government while they're complaining about fascism at the same time. Uh, they're taking control of speech. They're in, increasing the size of government. And uh, it, uh, small businesses would dream of a day where they're up 20% uh, over last year in their profitability and revenues and all this. Uh, so only the government gets to just dictate and declare uh, we're going to spend this much because we're borrowing $5 trillion from our rich uncle. Yeah. Right. And uh, so our incomes feel like they're up, but we owe the rich uncle $5 trillion still, and everybody forgets that part. And then on top of it all, uh, let uh, the old age-old age adage, adage: never let a crisis go to waste. And you know, right. it's like it's like Biden wants to be the new FDR. Uh, you know, with the whole Great Depression yeah. and what FDR did, and here we are, COVID being kind of the Great Depression of today in terms of the crisis. Uh, and they're they're just going to run hog wild. Yeah. Well, and it, it does show you the, the the really missing piece is is the moral. Uh, foundation of the country, right? Yes. The fact that someone uh, would make decisions in, in, intentionally, knowingly, that these decisions will 100% guaranteed ruin the economy, 
and hurt our kids. That, that's what, it's just unbelievable. We don't bring this up, right? They're just allowing Democrat voters to come over the border by the tens of thousands uh, intentionally. Uh, they, they act like the COVID is the end all be all of, of public health. And they're letting tens of thousands of folks come through without masks. Uh, it's a public health disaster. It doesn't matter. The, the only unifying theme you will see is they want to win the next election. They're doing everything right now to make sure that's a reality. So the economy's roaring uh, in a year and a half. Yeah, and that's exactly what Governor Rick Perry said earlier in the show when we had him on, uh, which is, you know, you're, you're singing the same tune, which uh, doesn't surprise yep. me, by the way. Uh, I want you to look at this headline. So you mentioned immigration. Look at this. Federal government spending $60 million per week to care for unaccompanied minors. Ladies and gentlemen, your tax dollars at work. Uh, your, your take, Dave? Yeah, again, this is the, it's a moral thing. The, the economics, right, when the kids are there, you know, what, what are you going to do? Uh, but the moral piece is that, again, Biden, knowing full well, having been in public policy for 40 years up in the swamp, he announced, come on in. And now he thinks he's going to make some, well, not not quite yet. Just, you know, wait a week or two until the mainstream media, you know, talking points look better. Because, uh, you know, this is really hurting us right now. This, it, it, what I'm doing looks bad. It's killing us. And so it, it's just the most immoral uh, policy to tell the folks who, who are uh, under duress, who have terrible economies back home, come on in, and then they get split from the kids, and they got coyotes and drugs and crime, and it, it's a disaster. And this is premeditated action. That's what makes it, 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 it's not an accident anymore. All of this is intentional, and I, you know, I taught ethics for 20 years, and this is, this is the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, and by the way, if you take that sixty million a week, uh, we have crack producers here at the water cooler who did the math. I guess the funding comes to about three point one billion uh, per year. Dave, you said something earlier. I want to drill down on. You said the the Marxist machine is on yeah. a roll, and, and I, yeah. you know we we educate folks here. So if you can put on your dean cap uh, for for a yep. moment, and, and yep. take us through Marxism, socialism. Yep. Um, you know, communism, I, I, not that you only have, what, two minutes and 22 seconds here, but, yeah. but give people an understanding of why you're saying Marxism. You're not, you yeah. know, we've heard a lot about socialism, but explain the Marxism angle here. Yeah, well, the, I'll just give the, the Marxist ethics, right, is about as deep as a wading pool. He got an F in economics and he got an F as a philosopher and ethicist. Uh, so the Marxist economics, no one follows it anymore, but he, he, his moral theory is more important because it's being used by the Democrats. Uh, it's basically very simple. If you own capital back in 1850, you're morally evil. If you're a worker without capital, you're morally good. It's the silliest thing, uh, but it works politically like a charm. He produced major national revolutions and upheavals throughout the last century using this simplistic thing. And now we're using it to tear our, our, our own nation apart, putting people into buckets of oppressed versus oppressor. That's the neo-Marxist spin. And so, again, they have no morality they can name. It, it, they, they wanted to get rid of God. That's what Marxist countries do. They get rid of religion first. They get rid of the free press second. They get rid of business third. Right. Uh, they seize power. And they promise the brotherhood and sisterhood of mankind. Uh, and it never happens. And so uh, how the American people are falling for this nonsense uh, and just the continued attack on the Judeo-Christian uh, system. Uh, the Constitution and the free market uh, pro-business thing that made us great, right? The liberals, JFK was for all of that. 
the liberals, we used to argue, you know, over the size and scope of government, they're good, healthy debates. But this, this is not an argument with liberals. This is an argument with a far left Marxist strategy. And they're, they're following the Marxist playbook, uh, just bullet point by bullet point, one by one. And they're achieving success while our leadership on the Republican side says absolutely nothing about the numbers you just brought up on your great show. You're 100% right about that, the numbers, and the great show. <laughs> just kidding. All right, uh, Dr. That's Dave Brad, thank you, sir, Dean of the School of Business. You bet, School. brother. All right. Uh, have a great, thank you, and have a great weekend, Dave. Uh, and look, he's right on the front lines. What do I mean by that? He is in a college education atmosphere trying to talk to the next generation about the change that is needed in this country. Back in a moment with the last CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. I guess we can call this the last sip of uh, Prince Philip, husband of Queen Elizabeth, uh, who is uh, dead at the age of 99. Uh, and, and there it is, uh, just the Just the News headline. I, I've got to tell you, uh, this, is, uh, this is pretty impressive stuff. And here's what I mean by that. Ready for this? Uh, seven, three, as in 73 years of marriage between Queen Elizabeth and Prince uh, Philip and, and there they are obviously towards the end of those 73 years but they met as I look at some of this uh, information 1934 by the way the pair met for the first time and uh, she was 27 years old at the time of her coronation he was about th what is it, about three years older than her which I I find interesting actually what I find really interesting is the fact that they were married for 73 years and as a matter of fact the Queen said this about being married to Prince Philip he says I think She's talking about marriage overall. She says, I think the main lesson we have learned in 73 years of marriage is that tolerance is the one essential ingredient in any happy marriage. You can take it from me. The queen has the quality of tolerance in abundance. I should say that this was Prince Philip, excuse me, not the queen, but Prince Philip saying that the queen has the quality of tolerance uh, in abundance. By the way, some uh, statistics on Prince Philip. By the way, nice hat. I'd like to get one of those uh, here at the water cooler. Uh, so, Madison, if we could arrange that, uh, that would be impressive. Uh, 22,000 solo engagements uh, that he took part in. He did over 5,496 speeches, and technically he was the Queen's consort for 65 of those 73 years of marriage. Once again, uh, Prince Philip, the... Uh, the the uh, Duke, excuse me, of Edinburgh, uh, dead at the age of 99. And, you know, I've got to tell you, I took a step back for a second and thought about 73 years of marriage. And I don't know what, what you're thinking right now as it relates to uh, their longevity and, and the fact that they were married for a very long time. But uh, you want to take a guess at how long I've been married? You can go ahead and email me at thewatercooler at justthenews.com. Thewatercooler at justthenews.com. Should I reveal how many years I've been married on the air? Anyhow, the bottom line is it's been a while. And the, the Prince Philip is exactly right. You need tolerance from your spouse uh, to deal with, let's face it, we husbands, because straight up, we're a handful. Uh, and the fact that Prince Philip uh, was not only a handful for Queen Elizabeth, he was also a dutiful soldier, if you will. I mean, think about it, being, in essence, uh, 
the, playing second fiddle uh, to, to your wife, and you know many husbands have an issue with that. Uh, it should be an equal partnership, though. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, look, political correctness, cancel culture, college campuses, it runs amok, especially there on college campuses. It's all part of a new feature we like to debut. We're going to debut it right now. She's the producer of the show, and she's also owner of Madison's Avenue. Love that. Oh, sorry, you caught me dancing. Uh, joining me now, uh, Madison. You don't have, you're like Oprah, it's just Madison. Madison, that's it. That, all right, so what do you got? Because college campuses, I mean, this is a big deal. It's been going on for quite a while. This has been going on for a very long time, and yeah. it's finally about time that we say something about it. Yeah. Well, guess what? A new survey actually happens to reveal that college students, specifically white Republicans, are more reluctant to express their views on controversial issues in open classroom discussions today than in previous years. Now, according to a recent campus expression survey, 62% of college students believe that the climate on campus prevents students from saying things that they believe. That's up from 55% in 2019. Also, the survey found that among Republican students, 48% of them were reluctant to talk about politics, 46% said they couldn't talk about the 2020 presidential election, and 44% wouldn't even bring up Black Lives Matter issue in class. Hmm. As to why the students aren't speaking up, it was unanimous. 60% of college students said it was because, quote, they felt the other students would criticize their views as offensive. The second most popular answer, with 33%, was because the professor would say their views are wrong. So here's my take on Madison's Avenue this week. College professors, they need to pick on somebody their own size. They need to stop pushing their political beliefs or opinions onto students in the classroom as it's only giving power to one side of the aisle and not the other. Restricting students from not having a voice is not only wrong, but it's a form of bullying. And as someone who recently graduated from college, I can attest that this is a very prevalent issue that students face in the classroom. And the teachers need to stop sweeping it under the rug. Now, I was very privileged to have gone to a university where the professors made it their goal to make sure that students on both ends of the spectrum have those uncomfortable conversations in the classroom. But unfortunately, that is not the norm. And every American deserves to have a voice, especially in the college atmosphere. And those university professors need to do more to encourage it rather than continue to add to the political divide that we currently are in now. And that is Madison's Avenue, and that is a wrap. I gotta go. Look, I gotta go to the weekend. See ya.